0: Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Nathan Crane, welcome to the show, my friend. It's so good to have you on today. I was excited. We've never met before, but uh, I've Read some of your stuff and watch some you're doing great stuff in the world and I'm so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Hey, man, thanks for having me. This is uh, exciting. I mean the work uh, that you're doing just sounds incredible and just talking off camera a few yeah. minutes ago, it sounds like we have so much in common, similar interests and and uh, projects that we're working towards so yeah. Happy to be here man this is great.
0: Yeah. And so I want to get in for our for our listeners and our viewers um you know kind of get into why we wanted you on the show is because you're so passionate about a lot of things but really it's kind of holistic health, right? Holistic health, sustainability it sounds like which I didn't know until until we were talking before the show. But really, you know, let's start back kind of, you know, you've got some of it on here but let's start back where your journey started because for me it's always so interesting when I'm listening to speakers it's kind of like why, do they, why are they so passionate about this? Why do they care, right? Um, and I find that usually with uh, anybody that we have on the program that's passionate about life and passionate about health, vitality, you know, helping other people, it's because they were at a time where it was, that was the opposite of what their experience was. <laughs> and then they have a huge catalyst. It's, it's almost like I've started to feel this way. Is like People that have the most concentrated pain at some point in their life have a biggest catalyst for doing good in the world. It's almost like if you had this happy, complacent life your whole life, you'd just be like, eh. But if you've had some real shit that you've gone through, right, um, then you're like, once you kind of get an get, get a understanding of, hey, life doesn't have to be this way, then it's naturally for you to go, hey, guys, wait, we don't have to live like this, right? There's another way. So, so it sounds like this started for you kind of around late teen years, 18, 19 years old or something. You were kind of going through some stuff
1: yeah well nine years old really oh so nine okay all right start, start a little bit earlier <laughs> okay fortunately and unfortunate. unfortunately unfortunately yes. i got a lot of shit out of the way early <laughs> unfortunately i lived about three or four lifetimes in that uh, nine ten year period between right. nine and 18 okay um so yeah uh, i'll go back a little bit but um just to kind of recapture something mm-hmm. you said there. I mean, it, it really shows you that there is purpose for pain in our lives. Yeah. And I think yeah. one of the things that I've learned and, and hopefully have been able to help a lot of people with over the years is learning how to take that pain and turn it into purpose and mm-hmm. learn from that pain and not let it bog you down and prevent you from living your best life, prevent you from being the healthiest, happiest, most fulfilled version of yourself. Because far too often, we get stuck and trapped in that pain, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. we let that pain dictate our decisions, and then it does become our destiny. That pain becomes Mm -hmm. our destiny. You see people today, uh, most of the people I work with today are are 50, 45, 50, 60, and older dealing with chronic diseases, um, like cancer, for example. Cancer is one of the um, most... um, is the thing that i help the most people with today but underlying cancer is emotional health emotional pain right dietary health environmental health relational health it's Mm -hmm. all dictates whether somebody is going to end up with a cancer diagnosis or not it actually Mm -hmm. in fact has very little to do with genetics and it has significantly more to do with diet and lifestyle and behaviors Mm -hmm. uh, environmental toxins emotional Uh, health and so forth and so you see that pain from your childhood or your teenage years or your even early adult years where we hold on to it for so long and it does end up manifesting as a cancer diagnosis or heart disease or neurodegenerative disease these these chronic Mm -hmm. inflammatory diseases that are primarily preventable right most of these are totally preventable they're lifestyle related But because we're holding on to this emotional pain that we're not even aware of, Mm -hmm. it's literally inhibiting our immune system, it's upregulating our sympathetic nervous system, and it's causing chronic inflammation in the body that leads to these diseases. And we can talk more about that later if you Mm -hmm. want to. But that's where a lot of my focus and research and passion has been for... Um, like 15 plus years now, but my own journey of coming to this place was certainly one through the fires. It was, you know, through hell mm-hmm. and and back again. Um, it, at uh, Yeah, so going back, I mean, I'll give a short version, sure, really. Sure. Um, by 15 years old, I was pretty much homeless, mm-hmm. uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol, um, living on the streets, in and out of jail, house arrest, um, headed for death or prison for the rest of my life.
0: And, and if you don't, if if you're okay or comfortable with it, what was the catalyst for being homeless? Cause you know, most of us, for the majority of listeners on this probably didn't ever experience homelessness and weren't homeless at 15. So what was kind of some of the catalyst that, that precipitated that?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting, right? So I've done so much emotional healing work over the years, which many people tuning in, I'm sure have done a lot of it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's something, which should pr- probably all should do for the rest of our lives. But the more we do, the more we learn about ourselves and the more free we become of those that emotional baggage, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just did a session the other day with an incredible, um, I call her a spiritual emotional therapist, if you mm-hmm. will. And... Uh, we went back to my childhood at nine years old, mm-hmm. and and at nine years old, I was stealing my mom's cigarettes and smoking and selling them on the playground, right. right? Mm-hmm. And already by twelve years old, I was drinking very heavily and then mm-hmm. getting into drugs. And so it's like, why at that age would somebody get into that? Well, you know, I watched my parents fight mm-hmm. day in and day out, right. um, and at that age, I didn't have the emotional intelligence to understand that. Um, I certainly took in a lot of that into mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe even blaming myself. You know, didn't feel a sense of security or safety. um, Didn't feel a sense of respect or trust. Didn't feel a sense of like I could tell somebody what I was going through or feeling. It was like I had to. I felt as if I had to bottle up all those emotions inside. I couldn't show weakness or cry. Sometimes I'd spontaneously cry and have no idea, and then I would like shame myself Mm -hmm. for doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so realizing that, man, I really needed. Somebody around to just like hug me and show me love and say, "Hey, it's okay. You know, you 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 can trust me. I can. You can tell me what's going on. You those those emotions are okay to feel, right? We've all gone through that in our lives at some point. I think all of us tuning in have had one or more childhood adverse events, right? right. Where it's yep. some trauma, some physical, mental, emotional yep. trauma um so you know the loss of a loved one a parent somebody going to prison or jail alcoholism or drug addiction in the family even if you didn't right. embody that yourself in the family you know they've studied that causes of childhood adverse events and the more childhood adverse events you have the more likely you are to end up with chronic diseases like cancer that mm. massive study that was done by kaiser permanente it's called the aces study mm-hmm. um you know can the more adverse events you have i think it's three or more um they looked at that literally reduces twenty years off of your lifespan well, if you don't ever heal that underlying right. trauma um, and that can be anything from all those things that I just mentioned well, so and and,
0: and and in that to kind of i guess you're the expert in this field i' i've, I'm, I've um, been on the fringes of the field um as far as just hearing being around people like you, I guess is the way i've kind of absorbed stuff but that doesn't, it doesn't actually, it can be real or perceived as a child, right? It's not that this had to have happened. It's even if I have the perception of a child and, and I witness something that didn't, like I heard a story once of a lady who her, her father had thrown her up and then caught her at one point just playing, but at three or four years old. There, all of a sudden, that became a traumatic event later in her life because totally. she felt this sense of fear and was, you know, here Here he was putting her in danger and risk. And all he was doing was like literally t- like we do with our kids, right? We t- toss yeah. them up and cut. Con- but it, so it it doesn't have to be that you had something that was like a major, major thing. Like externally, it could have just been an internal irrationalization or an internal per- misperception of what was the reality of the situation, but that still embeds in us, right? It's still
1: 100 percent, right? 100 percent, and it, and actually, you know, the latest science shows us that that our body produces something called neuropeptides when uh-huh. we have those traumas and those neuropeptides get released into various organs in the body mm-hmm. and if those neuropeptides never get uh, flushed out of your system they can basically get lodged there mm-hmm. and turn into chronic inflammation and that inflammation can lead to diseases and so when you flush these neuropeptides out of your system because it's 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 your brain trying to keep you safe that's what people go right. well why would we have this <laughs> right. stupid thing that you know right. like neuropeptides and hold this trauma And it's like one because you don't have the emotional intelligence of how to process it at that age right so your body goes okay i'm not safe Let's just, boom, embody this in my heart or in right, my liver, right. in my lungs, wherever I can store it at that time until I'm old enough with, right. to recognize it and then process it emotionally. And then when you do and you feel like you hear you hear, and anyone tuning in who's ever had like a release, an mm-hmm. emotional release, you feel like, ah, oh, this weight has been lifted, lifted off my shoulders. Right. What is that? Physically, it's neuropeptides leaving your system. Energetically, mm-hmm. it's, it's if you study traditional Chinese medicine or Qigong, for example, energy, it's blockages being released out of your energetic fields. Right. And now we can, we can study that and measure that with our, uh, our scientific um, uh, devices today, which is also really fascinating. right? But if we don't ever heal those things, even mm-hmm. if we don't know what they are, we can we can release these things through the different processes and practices that we can talk about. Some of the ones that have been most effective for mm-hmm. me and with a lot of the people that I work with today. True, sure. um, but if we don't ever use those practices and processes to release them, then you know you're going to end up with some gut issues or mm-hmm. heart issues or kidney issues or you know weight issues, for example. Can't ever overcome your your overweight or obesity or right. just you know self-deprecation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So back to your question how to end up homeless at 15 i mean so by 12 years old so i i don't blame my parents at all for any of it they were doing the best they could with right. what they had exactly right yep. and and i love them to you know so much to this day um, but at that age i just didn't understand it you know they ended up getting divorced at 12 years old i just was like oh well that's good i'm glad you guys got divorced you're not fighting anymore again another one of those things that's an adverse childhood event right don't know how to process it yep. just you know take it inside store it inside. Um, thinking I know how to process it. But at that age, there's no, there's no way. And, you know, by 15, really um, difficult for my mom to to know what to do with me. I mean, I was out drinking, I was partying, I was getting arrested. You know, I ended up just looking for anything that gave me pleasure and escape from what I was from reality from the know,
0: emotional from pain the, that you'd experience right the trauma yeah, all the right. all
1: that emotional pain right. I didn't know how to deal with it so I some people go to food mm-hmm. some people go to sex some people go to sitting in front of a TV 8 hours a day some pe- you know there's yep. a lot of things we coping mechanisms to fill that yeah. void yep. right for me it was drugs and alcohol it was mm-hmm. partying it was sex it was mm-hmm. it was all of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so except it, for me it wasn't food i i didn't have that issue with food it was it was other things right. and so yeah. At 15, my mom didn't know what to do, and she just said, "Look, you, you can't stay here. I, you, you've got to leave." So she, you know, she had to kick me out of the house. Mm-hmm. And that, that was another emotional trauma. Yeah, at the time, sure. You've I just didn't, been rejected by. And then, so I was basically on my own from then. I lived with a girlfriend and her family for a while. I lived out of the back of my car. I lived under park benches. I lived at friends' houses, um, and I moved in with a really good friend of mine at that time, who became a brother. And his family were actually very loving kind spiritual people Mm -hmm. and so uh dennis davis and martina davis and they they became kind of like a a second father and mother to me at the time right you know it was really beautiful i got to experience what it was like to be in 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 the presence of people who were able to give compassion and able to to understand and teach and share And even though I was going out every day and doing, you know, Mm -hmm. all the crazy stuff I was doing, I'd come back and have this sense of safety, of respect, of kindness, and that kind of opened me up Mm -hmm. to a whole new level of reality. Mm -hmm. Um, I was experimenting a little bit with psychedelics at that time as well, mostly just mushrooms, and that opened me up to a whole other side of reality as well that I hadn't experienced before. So Mm -hmm. it was really the combination of the two, being in this presence of loving spiritual people and taking things like mushrooms and going out into nature and seeing nature for the first time right. as living, breathing, uh, you know, the trees, like I was like, I could see and feel the trees breathing, right. And yep. living. And so yes. having that connection. And then I just had this big awakening moment. And, uh, uh, my best friend and I at the time just moved to California at 18 years old. And that's where <laughs> basically I, I say that we pretty much ran out of gas in Oceanside, California. <laughs> that's where, where I started my life over. Right. Uh, And so that was like, that felt like multiple lifetimes there. And then from 18 until now, you know, that felt like another three or four lifetimes of just going through all this healing stuff that that needed to be done. But it's been, you know, it's been a fascinating journey of turning, learning from all that and then saying, okay, how can I not -hmm. only better myself, but help other people become better as well? Because we all go through our pain. We Mm -hmm. all go through our trauma. We all go through our adverse events, but now it's like, okay, I've got the tools, The research, the understanding, the capability to help others, you know, get through that as well and turn that pain into purpose, into health, into happiness.
0: If you're enjoying this talk with my friend Nathan Crane, you might be interested in something that he has been working on for over 10 years. It's all about conquering cancer with a little-known cancer treatment that is on the cutting edge of our understanding of cancer. Nathan has interviewed top cancer experts and watched thousands of people recover from this horrible life sentence and has discovered something incredible. There's a common thread between many of the people who conquer cancer. It's One simple thing, and it almost guarantees that their cancer will not keep coming back. If you would like to know more about this missing link to cancer treatment, check out the three minute video linked below. As I'm taking all that in, which I totally agree 110% with all of that, you know, it's not that you just wait till you have one of these things, right? I mean, I, I think I was, Lucky enough that somehow, some way, I bumped my head enough times that I started about 15 years ago or more probably now. I don't want to think about how far along that was. But a couple of those lifetimes ago, as you would say, uh, and I just happened to start engaging in the healing process. And it's still continuing literally moment by moment, day by day, as life has unfolded, right? It's still an ever-ongoing, for me, a healing process, right? It has never stopped. Um, But there were some, you know, heavy stuff along the way. And I guess I just feel blessed that I didn't develop something. Had I not started that path, I truly feel like that, yeah, I would have been a lot more physically, um, uh, you know, disabled or sickness, disease, you know, all of that stuff. Because at one point I was sick a lot, but then I started processing stuff. I mean, I was sick all the time and always at the doctor's office. it was usually just sinus. It was, it was, it started off as small stuff like sinus infections and right. Stuff like that. And then, and then thank God I I started doing work, personal development that then led to spirit more spiritual work. But yeah, it's not, let's not wait until it's like knocking at our door. Right. I mean, for, for people, for people that are already there that are in their forties, fifties, sixties that you work with, you know, that, that's one thing and let's address it. But you know, let's start in our 20s and 30s, right? Or, or or whatever age you're at. Doesn't matter what age you're at. We all have stuff that we're carrying. There's not. I mean, I think that's part of the human condition, right? There's there's nobody on the face of the earth that I know of that's currently alive that doesn't have something that they need to. It process at some level it may not be exactly. right it may not be a thousand pounds but it may be a pound but it's still there it's still
1: unless you're the dalai lama well I think that's why what... i think he's pretty close to, to being well really I... but you know i don't know him
0: i don't know him personally i would like to think so right and and yeah, i and yeah. i've and i've read some work that says that there's some people on the face of the earth that are very very good states of consciousness but but uh but i don't know them personally maybe may, well maybe i do nathan maybe you're the first person at that level uh, i still got stuff
1: to work <laughs> on, I'll tell you that much,
0: for but, sure. But as, you know, as we're talking, I, I think it, that's important for people to realize that doing the work sucks a lot of times, I find anyway, doing the work sucks, it hurts, it's painful, there's lots of you know, crying sometimes, and sometimes not, I mean, it's different for everybody, but if you don't engage in it, it engages you, I guess is the way I look at it, you, you, you either lean into the pain or the pain finds you, as at least that's been my experience
1: it takes over it takes yeah. over your life your consciousness your behavior um, you know the thing that that i think is important for people to understand is look at your life and see where you struggle right right this right. is where it's really helpful to go hey where can i you know mold and and transform and shape that kind of highest version of myself mm-hmm. in my life. What needs a little bit of extra clay here or take some off here, right? It's like you're kind of, you're, you're creating your masterpiece, your your sculpture, if you will, and that's your life, that's you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about judging, it's not, it's like, hey, there's a little extra here I need to kind of trim off, and there's more I need to put up here, I need to polish this side a little bit. And so mm-hmm. you take a look at your life and go, okay, where, where what's most challenging in my life right now? Right. Is it my finances? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's my finances, why is that? What are the beliefs that I have, the subconscious programming that I have, the, the how I was raised, what I've been taught, the things that I say about finances, about money that are keeping me trapped in poverty – and I don't want to be in poverty, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, always has. As Jim Rohn used to say, having too much month at the end uh, of the money, the money right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like right. Uh, I've been there. I've been right. poor, right. you know, living on the streets, yes. homeless. Uh, been through a lot of that pain, a lot of that suffering, a lot of the physical sickness as well. Which thankfully have been able to heal that over mm-hmm. over the years. Like, and so you look at the areas of your life that's most challenging. Is it? Is it your health? Are you struggling with your weight? Are you struggling with a chronic disease? Are you struggling with digestive issues? Are you struggling with with chronic fatigue? Um, Autoimmune disease, actually, some of the autoimmune disease experts I've, I've interviewed recently say, if you add up all the autoimmune diseases, which there's over 100 now, into one category, there's actually more people with autoimmune disease and who die from autoimmune disease then die from cancer, and cancer mm. is the second leading cause of death right. right now, 10 million people per year die from cancer around the world, and it's primarily preventable, mm-hmm. right? Um, same with autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease is primarily preventable. So I mean, we're talking 90%, 95% plus of these diseases can, can be prevented completely by mm-hmm. how we approach life, our diet, our lifestyle, our mindset. And so what's most challenging for you in your life where are you struggling the most and take a good account of that i mean write it down and say okay it's my finances it's my health it's this or that and then you go okay so if you're struggling there and you're working towards being better there okay Mm -hmm. so let's say you're you've been struggling with your health for a long time and you've been working towards being better at your health for a long time but you just don't seem to to make much progress then you have to go back and look at your belief systems, mm-hmm. right? Because in the subconscious, we know, I mean, Bruce Lipton, mm-hmm. epigeneticist, yep. good friend of mine, colleague, I've worked with him for many years. Um, the Biology of Belief, everybody should read that book. It, you know, it, He's identified and the leading edge science shows us that literally our subconscious beliefs are dictating about 95% of our conscious uh, thoughts and actions every single day. So 5% mm-hmm. is dictating 95%. Which is which is crazy to think about. Yes. <laughs> um, and we can and we can change that and we can transform that. But if you're just behaving out of these subconscious patterns every single day, then you're gonna get the same result every single day. Right. Right. No matter how hard you try to change it, no matter how much you think about it, your conscious thinking can never fully change what your subconscious believes. Right. That's the key. Yep. Right.
0: And then you know, and so we've developed a special pill. No, no.
1: <laughs> the, um, so I actually have this. I have this pill for twenty nine ninety
0: nine. Right for twenty nine ninety five. You too can be cured. This
1: is cured. actually a Wi Fi repeater, by the way. A, the, um, but,
0: but, that, but that, <laughs> but that does lead to my question, which is, um, you know, uh, how? Right. How? What is the antidote? What? Because because again, if if it's subconscious, right? If we're saying 95% of it's subconsciously just triggering, and there's patterns yep. h- how do you deal with that how do? what's the so, what's the cure i guess
1: it's so simple it's so simple but simple is not always easy right but the truth right. of the universe right. is usually very simple right it's like oh yeah duh that makes sense like of course it's that simple like these things aren't complicated cancer we make it the most complicated thing in the world multi-trillion dollar industry uh, millions of people dying every year oncologists telling you they have no idea what causes it must be genetics but when you look at the peer-reviewed research and you look at the case studies and you look at the people who reverse cancer using a holistic approach you go duh it's so simple of course these six causes core causes cause cancer of course we eliminate these from our lives and do the opposite of them cancer is most likely never to show up or it's going to go away mm-hmm. duh right the things are usually very simple doesn't mean they're easy mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. i just want to preface that that it's very simple number one is we have to do what i just said which is which is um, identify where we're having the challenges in our life. Mm -hmm. So just Mm -hmm. identify it. The second step of that is we have to accept it, right? And Mm -hmm. identifying and accepting I've discovered in my life are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I have a problem with with finances, or I have a problem with health, or I have a problem with my weight or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, you know. That's one thing. I've identified it. But do I fully accept it? Do I embrace the responsibility? Do I accept that, hey, this is my challenge that I've taken on, and it's also my opportunity to transform this, and I have the power. Mm-hmm. So now changing your your belief through acceptance that you have the power to transform that for yourself, that you can do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at yourself every day in the mirror and go, I can do this. One thing I have... Uh, my cancer patients do look at themselves in the mirror every single day and say an affirmation hand on their heart look at themselves in the mirror and say I can heal I am healing I'm learning more and more how to heal my body I know that my body's a a healing powerful uh, machine it's a healing it's a, it's a powerful healing uh, mechanism and if I give it the right things in the right environment and I believe I can do it and I take the right actions I can heal I know I can heal right so you have to like One, reinforce it that not only do you accept it, but that you can change it um, for the better. And then then the third thing is now you do the things that start to transform your subconscious beliefs, Mm -hmm. those patterns that are dictating 95% of your life. And conscious thinking alone can do it, but it's very slow and very ineffective. And when I mean conscious thinking, that's like, just standing there and saying affirmations, right, right? right? Which is like, it works, but it could take you years and years and years and years, and it may never work for a lot of people. Um, so what they've discovered and what the, the latest science shows us is that actually, if you get into an emotional state, mm-hmm. heart math, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. people I've worked with for years, a mm-hmm. wonderful organization, I'm yep. sure you know them. Yep. A lot of I people here know mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. If you've ever done the heart math method, for example, mm-hmm. they have multiple methods. One that they've discovered, and there's multiple like this, um, in Qigong. So I studied Qigong with a master for the last few years in Mm -hmm. Santa Fe, New Mexico. And um, actually there's some really beautiful Qigong practices and meditative practices that that's exactly what they do as well. They go in, help heal the underlying energy blockages, help transform your subconscious beliefs. And so they've discovered is when you get into an emotional, a heightened positive emotional state, such as feeling gratitude. right feeling love, feeling uh, a positive emotion, right? And and you place your hand on your heart and you actually close your eyes and you breathe deep into your heart. You take those deep breaths. What you're doing is you're actually calming your nervous system and you're starting to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. And when your parasympathetic nervous system is activated, that means your immune system's upregulated and your body goes from a sense of kind of fight or flight or slightly unsafe or slightly anxious to a feeling of peace and tranquility. And in that state of parasympathetic nervous system, your body now upregulates the immune system, turns on rest and digest, turns on rejuvenation and healing. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is in that same state is where you access your subconscious mind. That state, if you're ever laying in bed, so I do a meditation every night before bed. And as I'm laying there, one of the things I do that puts me to sleep is I, is I, go through my day and think about all the things I'm grateful for. Think about, I'm grateful for my kids and their health and their safety for the roof over my head, for the healthy food in the fridge, Mm -hmm. right? All the little things, little things that people take for granted um, that I certainly used to take for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think through all those things that I'm doing that, Uh, and then start to kind of reprogram my subconscious because that that state right before you go into sleep is where you're accessing your subconscious and that's where you can say affirmations where they become effective. Mm -hmm. Or you can do it in meditation with your heart, the heart math methods we just talked about. Feel gratitude, feel peace, feel tranquility, feel love for someone, something, anything. And then in that state, you can start to transform your beliefs you can start to reprogram your subconscious. You can, start, you can take your affirmations that were um, never working and start to play them on repeat to yourself mm-hmm. in that meditative state. And that's where you access the subconscious um, and that's where you transform it and reprogram it. And so it, it's way, way faster mm. and, and easier and transformational that way and you get the added physical healing benefits of that than it is just everyday repeating to yourself while you're wide awake. I am prosperous, I am healthy, right. I am happy, right. right? That's good to do. You can still do that if you want to. Right. I do it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But it's way more effective if you do it right when you're sleep. in a, a meditative state, when you right. get your brain actually into that theta state, Right. right? Mm-hmm. And you get out of the conscious into the subconscious. And so, like I said, it's simple. It's just a matter of, like, are you doing that every day? And I'll tell you how I do it every single day. Um, and has transformed my life. I do it every morning when I wake up, mm-hmm. a few minutes as I'm laying in bed, waking up, coming out of deep sleep into consciousness. It's that veil right mm-hmm. there that mm-hmm. as you're moving through that, that's the time to focus on gratitude and then to focus on how you want your day to go, the things you want in your life. You visualize what you want. You feel it, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see myself healthy and happy and vibrant. You see yourself maybe playing tennis with your kids or grandkids, right? Or hiking and without pain or whatever it is, you visualize this stuff. You visualize the perfect house coming to you and you, you know, you've got the key and you're opening it and it's like, ah, oh, I got my dream house. Thank you so much. Like, right. You, you really feel it and visualize it, bring that emotion to it. So you do that at the start of the day. And then what I do after that too, is, you know, I have my tea and I kind of get going in my day and then I'll actually do like a five minute kind of Qigong practice, mm-hmm. which is kind of similar to that. Um, but I'm, you know, kind of working with the energy at the same time, mm-hmm. and then from there, then I'll actually, you know, either work out and move my body, get mm-hmm. my lymphatic system flushed, you know, get get the energy flowing, right? Um, or or I'll just start working. Depends mm-hmm. on the day, right? And then I do the same thing uh, throughout the day. I'll do a short qigong practices once or twice throughout the day. Before interviews like this, I'll mm-hmm. do it for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Connect to you know what I say is is my higher self, and you know, ask for guidance and you know, to deliver and serve and support people at the highest good for all, right? And then from there, uh, at night, do the same thing as I'm going to sleep. Mm -hmm. So they become, it's like you don't have, I used to sit for hours and hours a day and meditate, and that's wonderful. And you can do EFT and tapping, Right. you can do, you know, transpersonal Mm -hmm. psychology. Um, I just did this session, this emotional healing session with this wonderful woman the other day. Those things you can certainly do. Right. You don't have to spend hours and hours at it every single day. You can do five minutes here, five minutes here, five minutes here, five minutes here, here, and you'll see your whole day is significantly better when you're adding these things in. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I find myself a little more peaceful in Mm -hmm. a crazy situation. Like this morning, my six-year-old son woke (laughs) up and and, uh, unfortunately peed the bed and didn't want to take a shower and didn't want to go to school and was throwing a fit. And it's like and you know my wife she, she's got to get the kids to school so she's kind of urgent needs to go right. and it, my, my daughter's over there just like chilling relaxed and like nothing's going on super sweet doesn't bother her at all and like that's the moment those are the moments the simple things in life where it's like okay how do i respond to this mm-hmm. do i react mm-hmm. and get into that energy and like right. make it worse or take a few deep breaths focus on what i'm grateful for and what i did was just go and hug him and hold him for a little bit and tell him it's okay, right. you know, tell him, hey, we have to get ready. We got to go to right. school. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to. I had to put his shoes on and put him in the car. He didn't like that. He was upset. He was screaming. He was kicking. But I because of all this, I was able to keep myself calm in that situation and and keep the calmness throughout. Um, and I've, I've not been perfect at that. And I've certainly had my my times of like, You know, um, (laughs) right, yeah, not, not, not being that common patient for sure, but I can tell you this because of this, um, I've gotten 80%, 90% better over the years, right. for sure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bright Vibe podcast today. We've got a special event coming up here shortly, July 12th through the 16th, called the Global Happiness Summit. And we're bringing resources from around the country together to talk about happiness and what that means and how to have more of that in our lives. Go to brightvibe.com, B-R-I-T-E-Vibe, ecom for more information about the Global Happiness Summit. And we look forward to seeing you July 12th through the 16th we had the same um, we had the same morning except my son <laughs> who's who's also six almost seven he he uh he didn 't get his vitamins this morning that he normally gets, and so he was mad at me because I was like we were already in the car already leaving the driveway, and he 's like. Mom didn't give me my vitamins. I said, "Well, we got to get to school. We're already late." And then he, of course, cried and whimpered all the way. And then I got mad. Honestly, I did. I got kind of mad because I was like, because I tried to talk to him, and I'm reasoning with a six-year-old. And then, and then, and then I had to calm myself down. And then ultimately, what we ended up doing, you know, we got out. I held his hand and said, "Let's just walk for a while." And so we just walked outside of school. We walked out on the playground, and I just started having him doing breathing exercises, much like you've talked about. I said, "Let's breathe in through our nose, and then let's blow out the sadness, right?" And we just, and we just sat there. For about five minutes, which I could have gone in and got the vitamins, brought them out, right? And the, it took me twenty minutes, thirty minutes to reconcile what could have taken five, right? But ultimately, to your point, I had to get—I had to get uh, uh, my own self de-escalated. I had totally. to, right and then and then I was able to hold his hand and we hugged and we walked and we talked and then finally I walked him all the way up to his school door even though he was late we walked all the way to his classroom door and then and then he was fine but it was really we have to lead ourselves right it's kind of like I had to put my own mask on my own oxygen mask before I could put his on and totally. and that's the way we serve others right is is not getting as triggered ourselves or like you're talking about you're in, you know throughout your day if you're doing these practices which I don't do regularly enough um, you've got to just be showing up better for everybody around you. It's not even just your, you know, just your peace of mind. You're, you're creating an energy field around you the whole day that people are just like, wow, I feel good when I'm around Nathan because he's, an, you know, because you're always in this, uh, a, at least an aware state probably at the very minimum, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I've got, certainly have my moments. There's no doubt about it. But um, I can tell you that because of those practices, mm-hmm. um, it will make you way more present in mm-hmm. the moment. It will give you the ability to respond rather than react. One of my early spiritual mentors, uh, when I lived in San Diego, Arturo Gaitan, one of the things he always told me was responsibility is the ability to respond. Respond, So if you want to be responsible, responsible for yourself, responsible to your children, your grandchildren, responsible to your family, to your friends, to your clients, to your colleagues, then to do that, we have to improve our ability to respond to those situations in our life. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's that's what it means to be responsible is to go, okay. How do I respond to this? Like you did, beautiful story with with your son this mm-hmm. morning. Um, how do I respond to this situation rather than react to it? Right. Because subconscious equals reaction. Right. You know, right. we go back to that 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 traumatized six year old, mm-hmm. that traumatized nine year old. Mm-hmm. I don't get what right. I want. Right. Well. What do I want as a parent? I want my kid to put his freaking (laughs) shoes on on and get in the freaking car and go to (laughs) to school. Right,
2: right. Right? So what's
1: happening? Oh, my six-year-old trauma of not getting what I want when I was six is being triggered. So what do I do? I recognize that. Okay, there it is. Okay, that's fine. I love you. I can deal with this. What does he need? What did my six-year-old need? Well, my six-year-old just need to be hugged. Right. Just need to be loved. Loved. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what do I do? Well, let me just hug him and love him for a little bit. Right. Right. Am I going to have to force his shoes on and put (laughs) put his his seatbelt on and stuff like that? I might have to do that, even though I don't want to, but I'm going to do it with as much love and awareness as I possibly can. Yep. Right? Yep. And so that's that's our children for parents tuning in, but that's true for if you're in a business relationship or you're working with a a client or if you're dealing with a spouse or a loved one, right? We Mm -hmm. all trigger those things in ourselves. Right. They may, yep. you know, I say something to, to a family member or a loved one and they get triggered and they react right away and it's like I can get into that reaction as well. Right. If I'm not aware and I certainly do that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I do it way 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 less. I'll tell you what, my life and your life will be mm-hmm. so much happier mm-hmm. when you don't react so aggressively all the time. Mm-hmm. You go, "Oh, that's just, you know, their beliefs, their subconscious, they're they're being triggered. That's okay. I can love them as they are." I don't have to get in to that. And I can tell you where it's like with my wife the other day, she was saying something that normally would have triggered me in the past. And I'd be like, I have to kind of get on the defense and say, did you realize what you just said? And, right, da, da, da. Right, right. and, and I saw myself in the moment
2: mm-hmm.
1: almost doing it. I go, Oh, I have no need to do that. Right. No desire to do it. It's going to bring no benefit to anybody. So mm-hmm. I let it go. I don't internalize it, right? right? I don't create another little tiny right. adverse event of trauma right. or storage. It's right. like, no, okay, I don't need to do that. It's not going to help anybody. I release that. And the more you do that, the more it's like, let's say this trauma is this big. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the more you do that, it's like you make that trauma, you, you kind of shed a little piece right. off. That's how you get it. You make that trauma a little smaller, a little smaller, a little smaller, eventually, till it's gone. It and you don't even have those impulses any longer and, and that just comes with that work that we we do on an ongoing basis
0: and 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 as you're saying that um i'm also thinking for those you know i'm typically more passionate a little bit more vocal so when i get triggered i i go i can be in your face a little bit um, my wife would never think that of me, though, right?
1: <laughs> but but let's I let's get her on here. Yeah, her exactly. I was like, your spouse can trigger you. Is
0: that is that right? I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize that every day. The um <laughs> but the, but for people that are more introverted, it can actually be withdrawal, right? So there's you know yeah. we're we're talking about, and I you're a very passionate person, so I bet you're a little bit more externally. Like when you get elevated, it becomes an, a little bit more ex- external but for people who are a little bit more introverted it can look like pulling away shutting down avoidance yep. so it doesn't mean that you're that you're not triggered it just means yep. that how you respond i mean how an introverted person respond might be uh, going internal and shutting down versus getting external and blowing up but it's which the same just, which is just as bad it, right. right it's I the mean, same yeah right you're you're still having a negative you're still going to have a negative reaction to what's going on so just because Yeah, you're, and
1: bad bad not saying wrong, bad saying that the result right, is not right, going to be good is right, that be what yeah. you want like the result right you. What I'm trying to teach my six year old son, for example, is what, like, hey, I wish we're all taught at six years old is, <laughs> hey, this outburst that you're having right now, this is not going to get you what you want. Right. right? right. You, yep. you're, you're crying and screaming and kicking because you want a toy right now. You're, you know, as an adult, it's like you're, you may not cry and, and kick and scream. You don't get what you want, but you behave in other ways right. that are, right not <laughs> ideal, but it's realizing gonna get that you what you want. <laughs> it's not going to get you what you want. Right? right. And so teaching that and recognizing that for ourselves, all right, if I behave this way, here's the result that it's going to bring. And right. that's, and that result is going to be less than ideal. So right. what I really want is, is a much better result. So if we look at the result we want, we figure out, all right, what's, what's the behavior, what's the thinking, what's the practices, that's actually going to get me that health, that, right. that cancer-free right. diagnosis, that, right that long, happy life, that mm-hmm. perfect dream house or dream job or whatever it is that you're desiring in your life, right? What's the behaviors, the actions, the thinking that's actually going to get me that result? Right. And if I've been working towards that for quite a while and it's not anywhere close to me, I'm not seeing progress towards it, then I need to change what I'm doing, right? right. I need to change my approach. Right. Um, and so uh, you were saying something a moment ago I wanted to, to mm-hmm. um, touch on that I think was important let's see if i can remember
0: um and everybody's gonna have to tune in to the next show to get the next three right this is kind of one of those (laughs) cliffhanger things well that was the first three and if you'd like more you're gonna tune in 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 30 days no (laughs) so we 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 probably should give them the other (laughs) well actually i you know if the listeners need them great but i still need the other three
2: (laughs) i think remind me the other three i don't even know
1: where we were i think you said there was there were
0: six things we we started with um awareness accepting and now and then also using heart math to breathe in i don't maybe we're on number two i don't know if we're on number two or three. i think you started off with there are six things that we can do to kind of address the subconscious that's where we were well, that's where we started
1: okay well so 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 that the third piece is is practice right, right. okay practice yep. um the fourth piece i basically we just covered everything okay. else there right the, oh the is- fourth the fourth step is really to um, catch ourselves in the moment now. Got it. So mm-hmm. every time something happens, kind of catch, catch yourself, yourself and go, ah, there it is. Right. There it is. Okay. The fifth step now is to, um, when we catch ourselves, now you accept it. Mm-hmm. You don't judge it. You don't
2: right. lock make it, it right in or wrong. Eye, right.
1: right? You, don't, you don't say, oh, this is bad. This is wrong. I shouldn't yep. do this. He mm-hmm. goes, there it is. Step four. Step five, I accept that as it is. Mm-hmm. And step six is now you love that part of yourself. So you give that love to that six-year-old inside you, that nine-year-old inside you, that 38-year-old inside you, that Mm -hmm. 49-year-old inside you. You give love to that part of yourself, right? And so it's that simple step-by-step process that goes, okay, recognize it, accept it, uh, and uh, now I give love to it. And And the more you give love to it, mm -hmm. the more you transform it.
0: And and how do you give, I, I think that's a difficult step, at least for me, um, is how do you give love to something that you probably detest in yourself, uh, reject in yourself, or have historically? Right, like if yeah. like like I I hate bullies. There's a reason that I hate bullies because I'm a damn good one, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so so I've I've had to come to terms with that, and and that's part of the awareness, and that's part of the breathing in and self regulation, and right. Um, but I've had to come to terms with that. I don't I don't love. I still am not at a place where I love the bully in me because it's, I, I can see how it's passion. I can see how that, that also is a, a expression of creation. Like when I'm in my creative mode, that, that fuels that passion, but I still hate bullies and therefore I'm still dealing with the bully in me. So, um, for in my brokenness, how would you, how would you, t- uh, coach me on loving the bully in me?
1: It's really funny because I was literally just having a, a walking meeting with my friend and business partner. We do these once a week out in mm-hmm. the forest. Oh, we nice. walk for about an hour and talk. It's really yeah. a great way to have a meeting for anybody right who's yeah, interested. Yeah. And I was telling him I used to I used to um, um, I used to bully the bullies. Right? Yeah, I yeah hate exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. School and I ended up getting a lot of fights. Yep. because I would end up fighting the the mm-hmm. bullies, you know. Right. And so I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> um and so i guess the question i would ask you or anybody tuning in dealing mm-hmm. with anything mm-hmm. similar as you ask yourself this is go why is it do you mm-hmm. why is it you feel that you hate bullies like what is that um what do you hate about bullying what's the thing mm-hmm. that you hate
0: and uh so for me i think i was you know I, as a kid i did experience being bullied to some degree or just being a small kid i was a super small kid and so therefore i got picked on some right it was, it was never yeah. like or horrible but it was you know, picked on, beat on some by other kids, right? It wasn't rejection necessarily. It was kind of like a hazing almost. It's kind of the yeah. way I would feel about it. And so I think from that young age, I didn't want anybody else to ever experience that. So I just yeah. got really good at doing myself. So like any time I feel like somebody's being bullied, then I attack the bully, right? And I yep. just go like, you know, and it's not. I don't. It's not a physical altercation. I'm not going and beating somebody up physically. But I can get super in. I get super direct, right? In yep. a very pointed if you're going to hurt this person, then I'm going to come hurt you. Right. You're going to experience what you're giving out. Um, but then unfortunately that made me, you know, that gets misguided when I'm triggered and I don't self-regulate right then, then I'm just, you know, it's, it's, I I've gotten better with age and processing and letting go, but, but yeah. So for me, it's still that needing feeling like I need to defend the little guy or the person who can't defend themselves. That's where it resonates from
1: hundred percent. And, and I, I can totally relate to that as well because I um, not only was I bullied when I was younger, then I turned around and bullied others who were weaker than me. And then I turned from bullying those who were weaker than me into turning into bullying people who are stronger than me, which was just an ego thing, right? right? It was just trying to build a sense of security and confidence, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, trying to have a sense of safety. And I think what we're all looking for in our lives, certainly as children and adults Mm -hmm. is a sense of safety, a sense of respect, right? Mm -hmm. A sense of of trust Mm -hmm. that we can trust others. We can feel safe around others that we can respect others and they can respect us. I think those are just natural desires that we have internally, whether we're aware of them or not. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so look at the first time in your life and people tuning in, Mm -hmm. whatever challenge you're going through, look at the first time in your life. What's the first time you remember? How old were you when you remember being bullied for the first time? I think um, a sense of that.
0: Uh, yeah, probably. But I think before that, I think it was more of the loss of sense of control or the sense of I'm safe. Like you said, safety. I think for me, it started with the loss of sense of safety, which I was seven. My dad had a manic break. He ended up being diagnosed bipolar and had to go to a mental hospital. And that was my, uh, that was my thing, right? That was my childhood trauma moving forward was just the, the roller coaster ride that bipolarism is. Um, and so for me, I think it was more of feeling unsafe. And then anytime later that it popped up physically that I felt unsafe, it kind of reinforced that the world or my environment isn't always safe and I need to kind of be stronger, right? I need to be tougher. I need to be more of a man, more of a man. You know, I went through a phase in my twenties and thirties where I, you know, was smoking cigars and partying and doing all the stuff that I thought real men did. Right. Right. And then, and then at some point I was like, if this is what real men do, then this is pretty shallow existence, right? This isn't, right? right? I'm, I'm not Hugh Hefner. Like,
1: I don't want to be a real man if this is what it <laughs> well, is. Well, this isn't really,
0: I think internally, I finally figured out it wasn't serving, right? It wasn't serving yeah. anybody but my ego. And it was yeah. like, yeah, this, this is stupid, right? right? But so anyway, I think for me, it was that sense of what you talked about, that safety, security. Um, and so whenever I feel unsafe emotionally or think other people are unsafe emotionally, that's kind of more of the rescue than a physical thing. Um, totally, right.
1: And so what? I, so what? What I do, and what I think yep. all of us can do, is, and practice more of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's like I said, it becomes a practice. It's like yeah. something that I have to be aware of and practice it. Sometimes I can forget, and then I get out of balance. But mm-hmm. more and more, the more we practice it, the easier it gets, right? The right. more and more I go to the gym and and lift weights, it's like my my muscles respond, my joints mm-hmm. and tendons respond, my body responds. I, I can go in there and lift the weights exactly you know, as I want to, and I'm going to you know, feel great when I come out of it, it gets easier and easier. Um, and I feel better and better as I do it. And it's the same thing here. We practice it, it gets easier and easier and we feel better and better. Mm-hmm. And it's recognizing, uh, like, could you, could you see, if you look back at any bully, uh, let's, let's first look at like a 10 right, year old bully or 12 year old bully, you know, could you see the possibility that the reason that person is bullying somebody else is the same reason that you have for not feeling safe? It's the same reason that you have for being, uh, having not a sense of safety.
2: Is it for you,
1: for you to Mm -hmm. go internal and to feel this, this sense of lack of security, lack of safety, Mm -hmm. lack of respect, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The same thing. Could you accept the same thing happened to that person? But the reason but their expression of it is right. the opposite. Right. That right. they go look. I don't feel safe, safe so because I'm gonna... somebody has treated me poorly. Right. Father, father figure could be a mm-hmm. an uncle, could be a, another bully. Right. But somebody treated me poorly. Somebody bullied me. Right. So. Right. There's two just like you said there's there's two ways people respond they either go inside In, right and, and and go internal and try to kind of hide away and do this or they do what I did and what mm-hmm. a lot of others do mm-hmm. is they go external and they dish it out on somebody else right yep so that, so that you're both actually dealing Victims. with the exact same underlying thing right it's and just, so right yep. And so what do you both need? What does both of those 6 and 9 and 12-year-olds need?
0: Well, and I wrote this down early in the program that that love heals all because you had said something about love. And I was like, oh, yeah, love heals all. i got to remember that. So, (laughs) So love and and, and in love gets wrapped, security, acceptance. Um, Totally, you know, uh, all of all of the things get. When I say love, it's not just a hug, right? This is like a safety. I'm okay. You're okay. You know, God loves me. People love me. The world, you know, the the world's a safe place, right? It's not just a uh, kumbaya. Give me a hug, right?
1: Totally. And so the practice becomes, mm-hmm. in those situations that we face, those challenging situations in our, in our life, whatever it is, let's say you see an adult picking on somebody else, right? right. Or you see somebody mm-hmm. bullying yep. somebody else, whatever it might be, they're belittling them, they're mm-hmm. treating them poorly. You know, the first thing you can do is, is actually look at that person and, and try to find the six-year-old or nine-year-old in them that was right. bullied, that right. was treated poorly, that was molested, right. that, was, yep. that was beat, Mm -hmm. Right. There was so many terrible things that happen to kids nowadays Mm -hmm. nowadays that was, you know, sent to a foster home that whatever happened, see that child and go, What does that person need? Oh, that person needs a hug, that person needs love, that person needs compassion. Mm -hmm. And so you do that first Mm -hmm. and and then that kind of activates you to be in a place to and then you can even see that six year old or nine year old that was that was bullied or treated poorly in yourself and go, What does that person need? Oh, that little person needs a hug they need love They need compassion they need to be told that look everything's going to be okay you know you are safe Uh, i'm here for you Mm -hmm. right so that's the practice and then your your response in that situation uh becomes one out of i would say higher intelligence Mm -hmm. and it it might be it might be that you still stop it you might have to stop whatever that altercation is but you do it in a much more intelligent way and i'll give you one example of how this worked for me recently i was in san diego a few months back And I was walking down the street, and I saw uh, there was a homeless man on one corner, and he was tearing garbage out of the trash can and throwing it on the street.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, and
1: just throwing, and he was yelling and screaming, and he was had piss all over himself, and shirt off, and really, really, I mean, definitely going through some some kind of you know psychotic episode or dealing with some challenges mentally, emotionally. Obviously, physically he's homeless, he looks like he's you know struggling mm-hmm. and there's a young person across the street valet who's he's working valet at a hotel mm-hmm. and he's yelling at the homeless man right knock that off i'm gonna come over there, quit that
2: right.
1: <laughs> looked like he was gonna he was like bullying him right, right he was right. like yeah. he was he was um threatening him he mm-hmm. was saying i'm gonna come over you know if you don't knock it off i'm gonna you know beat you up. like he right. was and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I walk right into the situation I'm like." <laughs> Do my practice, breathe. All right. right. You know, guide me to respond. How okay, this homeless man, he needs love, he needs kindness. This young person across the street, he needs love, he needs kindness. All right. You know, do it quickly. The more mm-hmm. you practice, the quicker it is. And mm-hmm. then I'm there. I'm strong in in certainty and in compassion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I go, okay, what's the best thing to do right here? Let's just watch for a moment and see what happens. Because my natural reaction was like, go defend this homeless man right. against this young guy that's gonna beat him up. Right. It's like stop him right but it's like oh i don't need to do that just yet let's let's just see how it plays out mm-hmm. and i was ready if that guy right. was going to come over and start attacking a homeless guy i would stop right i would stop him right um some people may not have that kind of confidence and mm-hmm. conviction or whatever and that's fine too you can call the police or do what you have to do yeah, right right but intervene in some way of, right yeah you do have a place of, of higher intelligence right. not out of fear right. right you do have a place of like okay what's the best thing to do for this entire situation And so I just watched for a little bit. And then what happened was the the homeless guy actually stopped doing what he was doing and just started walking around the corner and still shouting and screaming Mm -hmm. and yelling and like ripping flowers out of the ground and throwing them and things (laughs) like that. And and then the young guy disappeared somewhere too. I don't know. He went to the back or something. And I was like, okay, what can I do here to Mm -hmm. make this better? So I walked up to the man and I just said, excuse me, sir. I said, "I, I just wanted to tell you something. I wanted to tell you that I love you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he started yelling and screaming at me. And what did you say? Rah, rah? I said, I said, honestly, I, I just want to tell you that I love you. I want you to know that you're loved. Uh, and that, and that I care for you and, and people mm-hmm. care about you. And he's like, are you messing with me? What are you saying? What, and I said, no, I'm just, I'm being honest right. here. I'm telling you, I just want you to know that, that you are loved. Mm-hmm. And immediately it took about three times of saying it. He, he went from this, crazy psychotic right. you know aggressive angry to totally calm relaxed and start having you know a very interesting conversation with me right <laughs> that was um, quite fascinating actually and right. then he ended up saying something to me that was perfect for what i needed to hear right. that day right. you know yeah um, and had i not been practicing these things the time that i had and had had gotten to that place in my own life and had the you know that inner awareness to do something like that. You know that situation may have unfolded terribly wrong right. and totally. You know, not wrong, but terribly worse.
2: Right. And in
1: fact, right. it something beautiful may have come from that. Right. And I think that's it. Is find those opportunities in life to turn our pain into purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. To turn mm-hmm. our our challenges into beauty. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like the lotus flowers. I have a tattoo of the lotus mm-hmm. because it's. In the buddhist tradition right the right. lotus flowers right. it grows in the mud like it can it, it can still be connected to the mud to the to the dirt to the to the dirtiness of life the muddiness of life right. and out of that can come this glorious most beautiful expression of life mm-hmm. and i think that's what it is is staying connected to to the mud of life right but not being of that mud, oh, right. you know, rising yeah. above it and bringing that beauty to the world, mm-hmm. um, and and we do that through, like I said, all these all these things that we've been talking about.
0: It's beautiful, beautiful, and thank you for walking us through those steps. I know I've taken a lot away from today, or just you know reinforced and also enlightened new areas of my of my consciousness to think about, and certainly it's helped. I know my day will be better because we did this podcast today, um, just because... Well,
1: my mine will too, actually, so thank you for... Uh, every time I talk about this, it, it, yeah, makes, it reinforces it forces me to become better in my own ways as well, right. right? To continue finding those areas of my own life and say, yeah, I'm... Definitely not perfect there. Definitely not perfect there. All right, let's see how I can, you know, just, just try to be a little bit better. Not to be perfect, just try to be a little bit better.
0: And, and something that's been on my heart since we've, we've started talking and it's just grown and grown and grown um, is I really appreciate about you that I think what's missing, I wouldn't say missing, I won't go from lack, I'll go from the other, what we need more of. Right? Mm-hmm. What we need more of in life, I believe, is, is strong male role models and strong males like yourself who are still, are doing the work they're leaning in, you know, they're processing stuff because I think as you know, I, I, we have lots of men and women that come on the show and, and typically women are, you know, more proactive about processing pain, processing, you know, than men are as, and I'm painting a broad general thing here, but I really like that, you know, you're, you're speaking at it, but you're also speaking at it from a a masculine standpoint or or you're a man. Um, And so you're, but you're also very, like, with that love, with the, that's, that's something that I think for a lot of men, myself included, I'm going to yeah. put myself in that category, what you did with that homeless person is totally masculine, totally appropriate, totally what that man needed, and it didn't, didn't lessen you, it didn't make you, being loving to another male person... In that situation, didn't diminish your masculinity. If anything, you were showing leadership. You were showing um, how how to rise other men up, and and I think it's I'm starting to see more and more of it. But I, I would just yeah. highly encourage any men listening and women to support. You know, I know there's a lot about stuff in the in the news media and and a culture right now about empowering women. And I'm totally about that, 100% behind Empowering Women, because I think there's been historical suppression of women. But I think there's also been historical suppression of true masculinity, of true uh, men serving Uh, humanity, men serving other men, men serving culture, er, I mean humanity, um, because I think there was a lot of just misinformation. Like I said, when I grew up there was just, it was like being a man was smoking a cigar and having a scotch and playing golf and, and, you know, clubbing and womanizing and gambling and and that was just what the role I mean, I was just watching TV and seeing that's you know, that's what you did and and that's not true masculinity. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing some of those things in moderation. I'm not saying you can't smoke a cigar or drink scotch or whatever you want to do. But I just don't think that that's um i I just really appreciate i guess that's a long way of complimenting you or saying i really appreciate how you're showing up in the world and what you're doing because it's not easy it's not common right it's something that needs more of and so i just appreciate your authenticity today on the show
1: yeah thank you for that i mean i i would definitely echo that i think um i think it's kind of looking at like reshaping what does masculinity look like Right. right reframing it and saying look Masculinity is both strength Mm -hmm. as well as kindness. Yes. Right. right. It's like it's the yin and the yang. It's the it's the ancient wisdom of look, we need we need the 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 confidence and the strength and the that side of the ego, the positive Mm -hmm. side of the ego, to take action, to get things done, to be a protector, to, you know, to to really dive into that um part of ourselves. And at the same time, if we're only in that and we're not in feeling love and kindness Mm -hmm. and peace and tranquility you know the peaceful warrior is a great example right yes exactly Um, that we're totally out of balance in our lives and we're going to be unhappy right we're going to be unhealthy we're going to be unhappy and we're certainly not going to be fulfilled what i discovered is i went from two extremes like growing up i went from hardcore same thing right masculinity toughness fighting aggression all of that and then when I dove into spirituality yep. like seventeen years ago, I went <laughs> right. the opposite exactly. extreme. Right. You know, like way Peace too feminine. Love, right. like, <laughs> right. Yeah, like totally. The, oh, you know, too, too, a little bit too much of the kumbaya thing. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. To the point of where it was detrimental to me. Right. It, yep. it was actually mentally, emotionally physically detrimental to me right because i was out of balance with my nature right and my nature is to be in balance with both masculine and feminine right right yep and the feminine is not something to shy away from or to think of like oh that's just sissy stuff or whatever and vice versa it's like people who become too so much in tune with their feminine as i did Mm -hmm. um then then people walk all over you
2: yep right and you
1: allow it right and you become a doormat right and I don't think any of us in this life want to be a doormat, <laughs> no, right? And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. finding that balance of like, how can I have peace and compassion and love and still be strong and confident in myself. Right. And that's you know that's a journey for all of us to discover for ourselves. Some people naturally may have a little more masculinity or a little yeah. more femininity, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah.
0: That's but balance, when we're right? at
1: the extremes, at the extremes right. is where you're going to have problems. And if you have problems in your life, one way or the other you can most certainly usually trace it back to like being out of balance Mm -hmm. in one of those two kind of core areas of our lives and i think women and men both need to have a good balance in both women generally i mean just biologically Mm -hmm. um, spiritually mentally emotionally uh, I mean their their brains their their bodies produce more estrogen progesterone for a reason. Right. Men our bodies and mm-hmm. you know hormonal hormonal system endocrine system produces more testosterone for a reason. Right. There's a reason behind that. When we start manipulating with that and changing all that it's like people can do whatever they want. I'm totally fine with that. I accept all of it. Right. But we start manipulating it and changing it then we start changing our nature. When we right. change our nature, we become very very unhappy
2: in right. life. Right. And I think um, and,
0: and I think kind of you know, to kind of wrap that up, I think that's back to kind of where we started with ultimately, are, are you, are you feeling happy? Are you feeling passion? Are you feeling oh. engaged? Cause if you're not, that's the first, that's the first indicator of that, that something's out of balance, right? I mean, if, if you're not feeling passion, energy, love uh, on a, on a, fairly consistent basis, then probably something's out of balance. And then let's address that. Let's not just suppress it because then it's going to, as you pointed out in the beginning of the show, then we're going to turn that into disease so that you don't have a choice whether you're going to deal with it or not. You're going to, or there, it's either going to be cut out of you or it's going to, you're you're not going to be here physically. I mean, there's lots of consequences to not dealing with uh, the, the the, tragedies or the, the, the stuff that happened in our life, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I can go to CrossFit or weightlifting mm-hmm. and be super intense and strong and, rah, and dump my testosterone right. and adrenaline and, and feel amazing. And then I go home and I meditate and I sauna right. and I'm, you know, uh, read great books and I'm peaceful. And that's what, you know, and I recharge in that way. So it's like I, I can do both and be very, very fulfilled in that way. I find if I do one way more than the other, either end, then then I'm not full. I might be okay, but I'm definitely not fulfilled. When I'm doing both those things in balance, like I'm way more fulfilled throughout the day. So I think that's a good takeaway for people. Um, But yeah.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show today. I was, I've, uh, you know, when you do shows, as you know, when, when you do shows like this, you always have a little bit of an expectation of where the show is going to go. And, you know, and, and certainly it's been more than I, I expected. And, and I feel very honored and humbled that we've had this amount of time to spend a day together. And I, hopefully our listeners have, have had some really good awareness and insights as well. So thank you for coming on the show today.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's great to get to know you. Yeah. Um, and uh, the great work you're doing, and uh, I appreciate you having me here for sure.
0: Yes, and how? And before we close, how do people get a hold of you? How How do people engage with more of the work you're doing, the research, the yeah, the the stuff you're delivering? Websites, e- you know, email, social media. What's the best way to kind of kind of be a, a, a Nathan Crane fan? What's the best? yeah? If you,
1: if you look out your window right now, I might be pulling a sled behind me on the street, you know, running down the street, you know, trying to get stronger. Right. Help yes. You. <laughs> Uh, online though. Um, uh, just probably just Nathan Okay. Um, I've got some great free resources for there. I've got okay. a natural health newsletter people can sign up for perfect. there as well. And then for people who, who are more interested in, in understanding cancer and a holistic approach to cancer prevention mm-hmm. and cancer healing, mm-hmm. I have a free ebook people can download. So it's actually, um, it's a number one best selling amazon book uh-huh. called Be- becoming cancer free people can buy it for like 10 bucks on amazon yeah. i just want to get get that uh, information out to the mm-hmm. world and it's been transforming many many people's lives um, but i give away the pdf free at mm-hmm. becomingcancerfree.com okay. for anyone who wants a pdf i just you know want give to get it, it out there to the world right. so
0: becomingcancerfree.com and we'll put this in the show notes but you know if you're not seeing it becomingcancerfree.com that's where you go to to get that free ebook and that's awesome that you're doing that and making that available for free um to anybody who wants to dive more into their own health and i would say i'm sure it's not just for people with cancer it's for people who don't want to get cancer right i mean that's 100%. yeah it's, exactly. it's it's for everybody not just that you or someone in your family all of our lives have been touched by cancer but certainly let's try to make that less and less with each generation so again, yep, th- th- thanks for coming on. We do have um, our global happiness summit coming up. Hopefully you'll be able to come to that in July. We'd love to, I'd love to have you on there as a live resource and, and field some questions and talk to people. It's, it's going to be a great time and lots of good stuff there. So uh, again, thanks for coming on today and I look forward to uh, visiting with you more here in the near future.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much. Take care.
0: Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information go to brightvibe.com that's b r i t e vibe b i b e.com thank you for listening